Welcome to Stay Gold in Outsiders Podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. Esme, we are working our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel by Francis Ford Coppola. So his extended version. Um, and we're doing it in five-minute chunks. So we have made it to the 20-minute mark. So today is... 20 minutes to 25 minutes in the episode. So before we dig into these five minutes of the movie, can you give us a little previously on The Outsiders? Uh, yeah, sure. So in the last five minutes, um, Dally, Ponyboy, and Johnny met uh, Cherry and Marsha at the drive-in movies. Um, Dally kind of aggressively hits on Cherry, and then she throws a Coke in his face. And then he eventually leaves... And then Cherry and Marsha invited Ponyboy and Johnny to sit with them right at the end of the five minutes. Right. And and so so the, it ended with, with her asking about their ages, right? Mm-hmm. And Pony says 14 and Johnny jumps in and says 16. Yeah. Um, and so as this starts, Marsha starts to say that she thought they were both 14, but Cherry cuts her off and says 16 because... Um, because Sherry's, Sherry's got good, like emotional intelligence and she can tell that pony boy is maybe, uh, insecure. So like, you mean Johnny? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Jo- oh, yeah. That Johnny's insecure about that. And, and, and it also, oh, and pony too. It also kind of builds pony up. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so she, she jumps in and says 16 to not uh, hurt Johnny's feelings. Um, and Johnny asks them why they weren't scared of them like they were of Dally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Cherry says that they're too sweet. They're too sweet looking to scare anyone. Uh, and Pony kind of takes offense at this. I think he should because that. It definitely is kind of like you're just like these little children. And that seems a little. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so. Yeah. So so he's like, yeah, right. We're we're too young and innocent. Right. So he's he. This is a really an interesting an interesting scene and it'll go this 10 minutes into the next 10 minutes of like Pony and Cherry talking. And I actually think this is an interesting part of the story mm-hmm. is kind of what is the nature there there is a relationship that grows between Pony and Cherry, but it's not like a it's not like a burgeoning romantic relationship in part because Pony's 14 and we Talked about Cherry being probably 17, 16, yeah, 17. Yeah, she's 16 and 17 because she can drive a car. Yeah. So. Yeah. So so it's like it, it is this interesting relationship. Um, and uh, so so you can see Pony like clearly wants to be seen as like Pony and Johnny both want to be seen as as adult as their friends are, mm-hmm. um, as their friends appear to be. So he's like, yeah, we're too young and innocent. And Cherry says... Um, that they're just not dirty like like Dally is, and I don't think she means physically dirty. I think yeah. like, like Dally was pretty dirty in the last episode mm-hmm. in terms of how he was how he was hitting on her, how he was acting towards her. Uh, but then Johnny jumps in and defends Dally. You know, he's like he's a cool guy if you get to know him, right? And th- and what's interesting here is that's one of the kind of themes of the book and the movie as a mm-hmm. whole, which is like. How much are we prejudging people based on their status, based on their social class, based on their social groups, things like that? So, so he's laying out that even Dally Winston, you know, to Johnny is this heroic figure. Um, this is also a really interesting part of the movie. 
um, and compared to the book because there are some certain lines in the book that are much longer than the ones in the movie and the ones in the movie are like the beginning and end of that line and then you also obviously miss like all of the kind of narration and internal monologue and pony boy like explains a lot more about things and explains about how like they felt this obligation to like explain how dally was a good person um so this scene i feel like actually feels very different in the book because it's almost a feeling of like they feel like they need to defend dally but he almost doesn't fully believe it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like he doesn't fully believe oh he's a good person yeah i mean i I feel like like both johnny and pony boy are having to do a lot of work here i I just say the actors ralph macchio and c thomas Hall are having to do a lot of work here to try to convey some of that stuff Mm -hmm. without it being stuff that they can actually say so Johnny gets this one line to try to get that out, but mm-hmm. um, I would say it, it's it's it'll be interesting as we go through this movie in these small chunks like this. One of the big themes of the book is how, as we go on, how kind of heroically they look at Dally, mm-hmm. um, and this ties into you know they'll be reading Gone with the Wind and that stuff. And I'm I'm curious how much that stuff comes out in the movie because that seems like such a big theme in the book. So this is this is sort of also an initial thing of um, seeing how Johnny that, that Johnny wants to defend Dally. Yeah. Um. And we're and we're gonna see in this uh in this five minutes more circling around the greasers, kind of defending each other even against other greasers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 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 that that there that this is a. This is familial to them, you know. So it's like you can't you can't speak poorly uh, poorly of them. So so he wants to defend him and says he's a cool guy if you get to know him. So as they're having this conversation, if you're paying attention in the background, and it's easy to miss because mm-hmm. this is a very dark scene because they're at the movies, so they're all sitting kind of four in a row and they're looking at the screen. So really, the only light is coming from the screen. Otherwise, it's a pretty dark shot. Um, but if you're paying attention in the background. You can see Two Bit, um, who was kind of the uh, worst part of the last last five minutes, yeah. sneaking up behind Johnny, and he sort of grabs him and messes with his hair, um, and you know just to kind of like scare him, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, and then he hands Johnny a beer, uh, and then starts in on talking to the girls, right? Yeah. And he's like, "Who are these two? Your great grandmothers?" So, which has got to be a book line. Um, it's actually a little different in the book. Interesting, because this is not a great line in the movie, so I assumed it was a, I assumed okay. it was a book line. Well, what it is in the book is he says, great odds, and then Sherry's like, actually, we're their great-grandmothers, and then there's like a whole like page of like, not really witty banter, because it's not that funny, but like kind of banter between them. I wish they would have had that in the movie. Yeah, and it's like... There's a whole thing in this in the book about kind of a relationship between Marsha and Tubit, and they like kind of joke with each other, and they try to hint at that in the movie, but it's so little and it's not funny that you really miss it. I think I think the movie does an okay job of establishing yeah. that part, but I wish there was a little bit more of the play between between them that's in mm-hmm. the book, and and even doing the like. Your great aunts, and then actually, actually, great grandmas. Even if they don't do the rest of the stuff, I wish they would have had that part in there. Yeah, because the line just kind of sits there as like kind of awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. And then like it also makes Marsha so much more of a character with that too, because it gives more to her personality, and like she 
seems more like a real person that she actually says things like a real person and like a real person who's different than cherry yeah and that's actually what i liked about her is like cherry and marcia have a different response to dally and mm. a different response to so so then um and then marcia's response to two bit kind of makes sense that she's a little bit more like flirty with him and just a little bit more kind of open to potentially building a relationship there yeah um, so, so yeah, I think, th- again, they're probably necessary cuts when you think about the length of the movie, but it is something that I wish, actually, I would have been okay with, even if we had 20 seconds more, you yeah. know, here, that could have gone a long way. Uh, and then he asked what, what they're doing with these, uh, with these greasers. And is this the first time we hear the, have we heard the word greaser yet until, until this point? If you watch this version, yeah, because when they jump Pony Boy at the beginning, I think they oh say they greaser. call him a greaser. Okay, yeah, yeah, but then in the shorter version, it might be okay. Okay, I, yeah, I, I, I could be wrong, but like I can't think of like why in the movie scene so far. Basically, I don't. I mean, maybe it's been said, but yeah, it's interesting because like the book in the book, you get so much greaser and social language Mm -hmm. that, you know, in the movie, they have to establish that. And I will, I think this five minutes works to do um, some of that stuff and set some of those things up. Um, And then Johnny explains what happened to them between Dally and the girls and why they're, why they're all there. Um, And two bit then asks about Dally. And just as he says, you know, where is he? We get what I think is one of your favorite things. We get an appearance, which isn't in the book, yeah. of Tim Shepard. Uh, and he walks up and also he hears them. He hears Tubit ask about Dally. And then Tim Shepard steals the movie for a second Ooh. to be like, yeah, what happened to Dally? Talk to me about this moment. <laughs> okay. So we read The Outsiders in school and then we watched the movie. And we it was all the kids and it was like on the big like smartboard screen in front. And since this doesn't happen in the book, it caught everyone very much off guard. Some people, like, full-on screamed. There was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of confusion over who this person was. Because both because he's not supposed to show up and because people yelled over the dialogue. So the teacher either had to stop the movie and, like, explain to us who he was or go back and make us rewatch it. But it's such a startling, like, cut over to this person. And it's almost like this weird, like, looking up at them shot. Mm-hmm. It's very startling. He looks men- uh, menacing, He, he does. Yeah. He looks very creepy. And, like, it's a thing, too, of this. We watched the shorter version. So this is, like, the first kind of big scene in the movie. So you kind of start out with this. And it was very, it was a very interesting experience, but also really funny because of how creeped out people were. Now, what I like about it is it establishes that we, because we, in the, especially in the complete novel, we've met the greasers, right? Or, yeah. or we've at least met that family, that, you know, collective group. Mm-hmm. But this points us to a broader world that it's like, so Dally has people that he might be in trouble with, you know, that are also from their side of the tracks yeah yeah so this is this is tim shepherd who we're gonna see come back in this movie it's funny too because there are two points in this movie where he shows up when he's not supposed to and i find it very funny but i i think isn't that in part because in the 
book, they can talk about him without him yeah. showing up. And here you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. So you have to have him pop up. Yeah. Because right. he's, he's mentioned in the book a lot. He's talked about, and they do type on this scene, but I feel like if you didn't see him come up now, later you wouldn't know it was him. Yeah. And he's going to be crucial for the rumble. Like, yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't. Because actually, I think having him show up and being this threatening person and then being on their side of the rumble is actually kind of a powerful thing of, like, this was someone they almost kind of were afraid of and feared, but he's also, like, fighting on their side in this bigger Right, in the bigger greaser soch kind of war. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, So he comments that he knows that Dally was the one who slashed his tires, which I think they talk about in the book, right? Um, Yeah, in the book, it's like 2-Bit shows up and he says, like... I heard that Tim Shepard's looking for Dally because Curly Shepard, Tim's brother, saw him cut his tires. Got and it. His, okay. He also said, like, the whole Shepard gang is looking for him. Got it. Got it. Uh, and Pony jumps in and says that they haven't seen Dally. That, and then he hints to the girls to play along. And then eventually Tim walks away. So they're, the cool thing about that moment is sort of Pony Boy connecting non-verbally with Marsha and Cherry to be like, right, we haven't seen Dally, right? And he's like, yeah. look, because his back is to Tim and it's like he's clearly like trying yeah. to get them to realize like this, you guys might think this is a game because Marsha definitely kind of has this sense of like, oh, this is all, we're all just kind of playing around. And and he's like, this is serious. You need to you need to say you haven't seen him. Yeah, it's also... It's. I find this also scene also really funny because he like does a really over exaggerated wink to them, and mm-hmm. I find it really funny. But um, also in the book, in this scene, there's a lot more of like two bit kind of talking about the significance of him cutting the tires, and he does. He says a line which I'm kind of sad they cut from the movie, but he says like it's a big deal, kind of, like slashing someone's tires if you have to pay for them yourself. And oh I'm, sure, it's like. There's a, so much more, like, kind of greaser Sosha conflict that's just said mm-hmm. in the book that they take out in the movie that are in these scenes, that they talk so much more, like, about it. But I think they might take it out because it feels a little weird that people just say that stuff in the book. Yeah. And it would feel really weird in the movie. Yeah, you'd have to build. I mean, that is, that's actually a, a, an important line in the book, but you have to build to it. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So eventually then Tim walks away. Um, and as after he walks away, Tubit asks if Dally has a blade, um, and he says it's good that he doesn't, because he says Tim will fight fair as long as he don't. As long as he doesn't have a blade, then it'll just be. <laughs> I think in the book they awkwardly call it, it'll just be skins. Then isn't that what they say? In the Rumble, they say with no weapons, it's skins on skins. And yeah, it was. I don't like a, that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it either. It's a weird line. Yeah. It's not here though. Yeah, but it'll just be it'll just be fists, uh, fists and wrestling. Um, and Cherry asks if they pl- if they quote play rough. And Tubit says that a fair fight isn't rough. And Marcia jokes, if he gets killed or something, you just bury him, no sweat. Uh, which is again, it sort of shows like Cherry is concerned about like what are people doing, and Marcia is kind of flippant about it. Yeah, and it's like Marcia doesn't get a lot to do in this movie. She's going to basically disappear after this set of scenes, right? I don't think, does she come back? She does not come back. Yeah, so it's like, you only get this little piece, but I do like her as a counterpoint of like, she, where Cherry is clearly somebody who's going to be part of the bridge between the Greasers and the Socias, Mm -hmm. Marsha is actually pretty representative representative of 
of a Soshu like just doesn't get it, doesn't get the realities yeah. of things. Um. Also, this line in the book, like I feel like in the movie, it is a kind of like a she doesn't get it thing, but in the book, since they there's the whole page of like her and Two Bit joking, it plays off a lot more. She's just making a joke than like she doesn't get it. Yeah. So I feel like. I mean, I think there's a little bit of that here. Yeah, too, there there is a little bit also in the book of her not getting it, but I think it plays off slightly different. Yeah. Um, so then Tubit offers Marsha Marcia some chewing tobacco, telling her it'll put hair on her chest. Um, I don't like that part. That's yeah. not in the book. Uh, I think that I think that's perfectly funny. Yeah, like, that's just the kind of thing. Uh, so then Cherry asks Pony Boy to go with her to get some popcorn and coke. Uh, Tubit offers to buy and gives Pony some money, which is a little thing that I really like um, I, because, again, it has this sort of family feel. Mm-hmm. And because Tubit is sort of aware, I mean, Pony Boy probably doesn't have money. And there is this sense of like, okay, if you're going with Cherry to get this stuff, there is probably an expectation, you know, just in terms of even thinking about gender, there is an expectation that you're going to pay. So let me let me just say this so we don't have so you don't have to go through that embarrassment of like mm-hmm. I don't have money for this. It's also in the book that parts there too, but it's also it's said a lot more to Johnny in the book cuz it's a it's this moment where like Johnny's reaching into his pockets for money and he's like no don't bother I'll pay for it. So in the book I interpret it as he's just paying for him and Johnny and maybe also Ponyboy, but in the movie it feels more like a Larger group of yeah. people he's paying for. Well, and when we get to the concession stand, we see that Pony Boy is the one who pays. Yeah. 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 Um, so then we cut to a scene that I really like, actually. I, I like it visually. It seems very effective, is they go to the concession stand or snack bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I like about this is it's lit so bright. Mm-hmm. You know, where you move from the movie theater or from the, from the drive-in movie that's very dark, only lit by the movie screen to like the stark fluorescent lighting mm-hmm. of the the snack bar. And I, in a way, I feel like this takes me back in time. Now, as a kid, I don't ever remember going to the drive-in movies, although I think I probably did. But I do remember like something about that concession stand feels like a place from my childhood, even though my childhood would have been when this movie was made, not when it was set. Yeah. I just find that I find something about this visually really affecting in that way yeah i always like that scene really visually too because it it also feels very real that it's like you would have this really bright Mm -hmm. room that you would walk into from the movies feeling like it's really bright in here and what's funny is you can't hear it but i imagine like the buzzing of the lights a little bit yeah you know like it's like it's like you've been to a place like this, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I just, you know what this feels like. Exactly, exactly. You you can I can imagine the concrete cracked cr- concrete floor of that place. Mm-hmm. Maybe some spilled soda. It just like it it's evocative of yeah. of, of the place. Um, so Cherry asks if Two Bit is okay, and uh, Pony says, "Yeah, he ain't dangerous like Dow, if that's what you mean." So he's like. He's even pointing out Dally's a little different. Like, like you, Dally is maybe the kind of person you should be a little like. You should watch yourself with, but he's like Two Bit is a good guy. He's, yeah, he's, he's not that. Now you are an avowed Two Bit fan, right? You like yeah. Two Bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this must ring true to you that that, mm-hmm. that Two Bit's okay. He's a great person, in my opinion. Um, and then uh, Pony explains uh, that 
Johnny is a nervous wreck. And he says he got beat up a few months ago by some Soshas. Uh, and Cherry asks if that's how he, Johnny got the scar. And Pony says that one of the Soshas was wearing rings. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. As we rewatch this, I was just following Diane Lane's face during this. Yeah. Because uh, she... It's interesting because it's not that she like... It's not this like major moment of like she has some realization but you can see a little bit come across her face as like i wonder Mm -hmm. because her boyfriend um uh bob who we're gonna meet later on in this five minutes uh canonically wears rings right like that that's one of his things Mm -hmm. Uh, and we even see them in that scene so it's like she's starting to put together that that maybe bob was that person Mm -hmm. and that also in the book she mentions one time like Later, she says, like, oh, when you said he was he got beat up with a guy by rings, I knew it was Bob. So I really like that they have her do that facial expression. Yeah. But but what's cool is that they don't cut to her face like it's in Mm-mm. it's a wide shot. And, they, they, you know, like he's I think it's it's when they're walking. But you you do if you're if you're if you know enough to be watching her face, you can see it kind of come across her face. I think yeah. it's, it's a nice piece of acting and a nice mm-hmm. piece of non-obvious directing to be like make sure you're make sure you're facing towards camera at this point um but we're not going to cut we're not going to like insert a a shot Mm -hmm. into that um but i feel like this scene is it it it, do really like it like it is really good but it's so different in the book because for one thing that i feel like they could have done and it kind of makes me sad that they didn't is they talk about how when they're getting concessions, there's, like, a lot of people kind of looking at them because it's, like, a greaser and a socha, and I feel like they could have done that a little bit. Um, they also talk about how there's, like, a really long line, which I get why they didn't do. They just want to get him through there. But then there's also in the book three full pages of him telling the story of when Johnny got beat up, and I get that, like, they can't do that because they can't have him talk for a really long time mm-hmm. and tell this story, but it makes me sad because in the, in the movie the moment of him telling the story is just so downplayed and like doesn't seem as significant almost. And it makes me sad because. So what are elements of him telling that story? If you, if I mean, we maybe can't do three pages on it, but if we could have had 30 more seconds, are there, are there details? Are there pieces of it? Or is it just that he tells the story rather than just mentions it somewhat offhandedly. There are parts of the story that I feel like he, it's hard because both like they're really important parts of the story, but they also seem like really personal to the characters. So it would feel like a little like, why are you saying that to her? But it feels like that in the book too. Um, but he, I think pony boy's kind of an open book though. Yeah. He talks about how, um, how like Johnny was crying a lot and how like he then also brings up in the story how like Johnny's father beats him up a lot and he gets like no emotional reaction to it but that he was like sobbing he talks about how like they when they found Johnny they thought he might be dead like they there's also he talks about how like as soon as they found Johnny because it was just like him Soda and Steve walking and then they found him it was like all the other members of the gang like just kind of showed up Hmm. so I feel like those parts are really important to the characters and really help kind of show how like these people might be kind of like Dal even talks about seems kind of dangerous like but they're like ultimately good people Mm -hmm. and like they really care about each other so I feel like without telling the three page long story he could still mention like 
we found him he we thought he was dead he was really upset about it and then we all were there like he could have you could have put that stuff in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there is a way to do a 30-second version that hits on some of that stuff. I think they probably wanted to avoid the Johnny family stuff because they hit that later. Yeah. You know, and that's I think that's actually a fairly effective scene that they they, they do that work pretty economically later. But yeah, I I, I do agree that they're that that's that's a part in the book that is pretty affecting. And yeah. and, and I think Again, we keep trying to find minutes we want to add to this movie, which is already quite long. But like that's that's the kind of thing that would have been that would have been interesting to put in there, mm-hmm. and I think is really important to a lot of the characters and their character development and showing who they are. Yeah. So then we move to one of the t- to Cherry getting to start to express one of the theses of the book, um, in that uh, Cherry says, "You know, not all of us are like that. It's like saying all the greasers are like Dallas Winston." Um, and while they're having this conversation, uh, in the background, we see this, like, and this has been developing for a while. Again, I don't exactly understand the logistics of the snack bar because it seems like there's multiple yeah, lines it, that are all moving towards the same place, which, so that seems, I, I buy that it works, but it seems a little Yeah, weird. it's like there's a cash register in the middle and then there's two sides that come to the same cash register, which, like, if this is a very packed movie theater which is how it's described in the book yeah that seems really ineffective yeah yeah again we're we're we are picking nits (laughs) at this point but at any rate in the other line there is like a it's like it looks like a younger than pony boy probably yeah this looks like a maybe 12 year old yeah i'd say like 11 or 12 year old kid like this kid's young in a in a like leather jacket a little pudgy Mm -hmm. um and he's like cutting in line past some socias and letter jackets and then there's a shoving match and then another i assume like his older brother or or a bally winston type like a an older mentor like gets in on it and there and like a fight almost breaks out and then the manager of the concession stands like you guys take this outside so the, so like this is happening oh he doesn't say one of so the older greaser says to the one social who's like you really take shoving the kid yeah. yeah he's like let's take this outside and then the manager says why don't you two take it outside and the two greasers leave but he doesn't make the socials leave oh okay did you see that i didn't see it till like the third time yeah I watched no through. i guess i didn't i didn't track that but like it's it's in the background too because i saw him say like you two take it outside so in my head i was like he's i assumed he meant the people fighting yeah i was like I assumed when the people fighting or like the two groups of people. And then I watched it. And I'm like, oh, that is not what happens hmm. at all. So I find I found that really that, interesting. And that to totally watch. makes sense. Yeah, that, that, that totally, totally makes sense. But it's so cool because it's very much like when they leave, it's in the background and it's very kind of downplayed. But it's a really smart way to do that. Well, and it, and it mirrors what they're talking about. You know, yeah, it mirrors what 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 Pony and, and Cherry are talking about. Um and uh, Cherry explains that uh, the rich Southside socias, and we'll get into the geography in a second here, that the rich Southside socias don't have it made either. Either she says things are rough all over. And there's this tense silence between them, and like they don't say anything. And then Pony Boy says, "Come on, let's get out of here. Tubit will think we've eloped to Mexico." In the book, he says Tubit will think we'd have run off with his money, which I like that line more. Personally. Oh, I do like that way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that's way way better. Why did they why did they not use that? Why line? did they change it? It's better cuz I think in the movie they wanted to play up a little bit more of like look it's a romance, but it's also definitely not. Yeah, yeah. 
Although, I mean, he, I will say, I will say Pony Boy, T. Thomas Howell, sells that line pretty well. He does. But, but I think the book line is better. Now, we need to talk about geography here. Yes. Um, because, the, and this is not nitpicky. This is not nitpicky what we're going to talk about here. Okay. They changed the geography of the city from what's in the book. So I'm going to hand this over to you. Okay. In the movie, the Soches are on the south side. The Greasers are then supposedly on the north. They never say the north. But you assume. Yeah, yeah. you assume. Even in like soon when Tubit doesn't say I'm from the north side, he says I'm from the other side, which is weird. Yeah. But in the book, it's east and west. And the um, Soches are on the west side and the Greasers are on the east side. Which, for one thing, there's like multiple reasons why this is significant. Um... S.C. Hinton based the city they live off of, they live in off of like the city she grew up in. Which so is like, like Tulsa, right? Yeah. Tulsa so Point. there's actually like, yeah, this is based off of something. Why did you change it? And the fact that it's east and west matters because there's a lot of symbolism with like sunsets and the sun sets in the west on the social side. Exactly. And then later, like Ponyboy sees the sunrise and he's like, I've never seen this before. It's beautiful. And it's like, yeah, that's the east side. So there's actually both significance like kind of to the author that it's east and west and like the theme of the book and symbolism that it is east and west and all they would have had to do is change like one word in the script i don't get why they changed it it's so weird that i'm honestly like it's a question i want to ask coppola i want to be like so so why that because you're right the this is a this is a story and he and, and not just within the book but within the movie where there is narrative significance to the sunrise and sunset. Yeah. There's deep narrative significance and they change it. And so like that that part is very, very weird to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not even like they changed it to make the plot flow better. It's really just like in some lines you had to change one word. Yeah, and I, I don't, don't what one, is the rationale behind that, that? That's one That's one that's an utter mystery to me and we're not going to get to the bottom of it here. But what I'm glad we could acknowledge that because I think yeah. we both, when we saw the movie, both of our ears pricked up and said, that's not right. Yeah. That seems very, <laughs> very strange. Um, so we go back to the seats and we see 2-Bit is now uh, hitting on Marsha, but not in a, not in a Dally Winston kind of way. Yeah. Um, so he says, so you're from the south side. And he says, I'm from the other side of town. So this is That's what you were what talking about. That's what I'm talking about. about. Like, yeah. I don't think they ever sa- say the north side. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I almost feel like they said they want to do south side just because of alliteration. My only other thought of why they might have changed it is because I was thinking like, I don't know. My only thought was like things in like New York, the west side is like the more rough side and people would then in their mind maybe think about that. But that's but you my know what? only guess. But in Chicago, the south side of Chicago is the rough part of town. Maybe oh yeah. So it's like it doesn't it doesn't it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Yeah. Again, my other biggest guess is they wanted alliteration, South Side Soch. It sounds good. Yeah. But West Side Soch sounds great yeah, too. Yeah, West like, Side sounds I, good too. I don't know. Uh, if anybody knows Francis Ford Coppola and you could pass that question along Tell them we love the movie. We especially love the 2005 cut, but I just, I just want to know. Yeah, I have, I think about it a yeah. lot actually. Because actually, I would love if there was a reason, and, and, and you could hear it and be like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't, I haven't heard it. I don't know why that. And I hope it's a better that. reason than just it's alliteration. <laughs> right, right. Because, because, like to your point, it smacks of them not understanding part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't believe because they made the movie and it's so clearly in the movie as well. 
Um, so then from there, we cut to cars leaving the theater after the movie. On the marquee, it reads uh, the, the two movies playing are Beach Blank and Bingo, which we had seen parts of, um, which was a 1965 movie, and Muscle Beach Party, which is a 1964 movie. You hear people yelling and howling from the cars as the people are driving away, walking away from the theater. Now, you notice something really interesting about the movie theater. Okay. So on the sign where it has the two names of the movies, there's then like another sign next to it mm-hmm. that says closed for repairs. Yep. There's two theaters. Yeah. There's two theaters. And they both have a sign next to them pointing in the directions. And the one says west and one says east. And the east one is one that's closed for repairs. And it's like, they, it's... Really interesting to me that they put this in there because it's it's so cool, but then they also change the direction. Right, right. It's like, as you point out, it's like they're acknowledging the east and west part of this, but it's like, but you didn't do yeah. that. So I don't know. I, I don't know, but it is, I think it's a really interesting, interesting little piece there. Um, so then uh, we cut to uh, our, you know, pony and Johnny and 2-Bit and Marsha and Cherry and they're walking home from the theater. Or walking somewhere from the theater, right? It's um in the book they explain where they're walking. It they're supposed to be walking to Tubit's house to get his car because he's gonna drive them home Got because it. apparently their side town's like twenty miles away and because they left Randy Bob they don't have a way to get home. Got it. Got it. Um, so Pony is walking with Cherry, uh, and we see Pony smoking, which is a big which is a big thing in the book, and it is just sort of this like matter of fact thing that even as a 14 year old he smokes because this is you know this is sort of part of the greaser culture perhaps Mm -hmm. um uh and she asks about his older brother Derry. she says you never talk about him she says you talk about um you talk about soda pop all the time but you don't ever talk about Derry. and pony says what's to tell he's big and he roofs houses um like so like that's that's kind of all there is and so which is interesting because he is pointing to what Derry is now. He is really kind of the father figure, and he is defined by his job. He's yeah. A, he's a roofer, right? Um, But in this scene in the book before they have this conversation, it's like they actually then show the conversation about Soda Pop, and they show other things. And this is the part two where they, not this part, but a little bit later in this conversation is where they talk about the sunset, and it's cut out of the movie. Yeah. Interesting. Twice in this scene, they mention the sunset. Both times, it's cut out in the movie. Yeah, I I think the sun. I I get not having the the soda pop thing. In part, soda pop's just not as big of a character in the movie. Yeah, there's not space for it. He's he he's more developed and interesting in the book than he is in the movie. Uh, and I get taking that out, but I think to me the sunset line is like again, it's part of the thesis of the, yeah. of the book. And to not have it in there is uh, it's kind of a mm-hmm. shame and kind of a like a like an own goal. Like, like it's like, that's a good line and you mm-hmm. don't put it in there. I, I, I so yeah. again, that's one where I, I'm interested in what the choice is because that would take you all of five seconds to have that line in there. Mm-hmm. And they also have, they have this, lo- or you do it in the concession stand yeah. when they're talking about how they're not all that different. And they, ha- so they have this conversation about greasers and socias. This actually kind of like important conversation about the differences between them. They talk about like, why they get in fights, why they're different. And it's actually like this really big, important conversation. And then none of the ideas they talk about there come up in the movie. And then they talk about Soda Pop and then it gets to this conversation. Yeah. So this could be, a, and I, I get the idea of we need to get the movie going. Yeah. But 
that's that that's a pretty core conversation and different than stuff we're talking about before it's not internal dialogue where it's like how would you film that it is just people walking and talking like you could you could clean that up and make it quick and get some of those ideas starting Mm -hmm. to get out there um so uh so cherry again she was asking about his older brother she says is he wild and reckless like soda or is he dreamy like you and pony very pointedly says he ain't like Shisoda, and he sure ain't like me. Because Ponyboy loves soda. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've barely seen dairy in this movie. And in the theatrical cut, we have not seen dairy at all yet. Right? Yeah, and yeah. we've seen soda pop very briefly. Right, right. Um, just at the just at the gas station, yeah. right? Um, and he says, uh, he can't stand me. I bet he wishes he could stick me in some boy's home. Uh, and now we see 2-Bit jump in. Uh, and was he wearing a jacket before or did I just not yeah, notice? Yeah, he was a- wearing a leather jacket and now Marsh is wearing it. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, because we see that 2-Bit is wearing a red sleeveless Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Okay. It's orange. Is it orange? It's definitely orange. Okay. I was I looked at that and I was looking at the notes and I'm like, that's not red. Okay. Uh, but but <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It, and we see them watching Mickey Mouse cartoons later. Yeah. So. I'm okay. That's the biggest thing for the movie that I'm also. That's another thing I'm confused about is why they added that in, because there's nothing about that in the book. Well, Mickey Mouse is a is is the name of Soda Pop's horse in the book. That's so the only maybe mention it's Mickey a tip Mouse, of the hat, but it's with a different character. That's what yeah, bothers me. But I think it speaks to maybe like the the '60s culture a little maybe, bit, like I the childhood know. culture. Uh, what I also like about it though is it is like these are. Especially someone like Two Bit is a pretty hardened character at this point. Like he's mm-hmm. pretty grown up at this point, but it is an indicator of childhood. So it is like, but he's still a kid, <laughs> and we're gonna see some other things where it's like, oh, these people who seem like they've been forced to grow up real fast because of their life circumstances. It's like at the same time they are they are still children <laughs> in yeah. a kind of way, you know. It just I don't know. It just seemed like a weird move, and it like it really threw me off with his character that. All he wears is like Mickey Mouse shirts with the sleeves cut off. And it's like, it, yeah. Okay. And uh, it's also funny because it's like the same shirt but different colors. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But, but. I don't know. It threw me off. I had a vision of what that character was and it wasn't that. So does, does it make you like 2-Bit less if he's yes, like always... Yes, it, okay. it makes me like him less. I was thinking of buying a Mickey Mouse t-shirt for myself and now I won't <laughs> just because... I don't. Uh, I, I don't want you, you to do view it. me that way. Oh, so you care more about Two Bit than me? All right. So, uh, so he jumps in and defends Dairy, and Johnny says they all get along fine, um, which is in- more interesting coming from Johnny once we realize what Johnny's family situation is, because mm-hmm. it's sort of like Johnny saying, like, really, you want to talk about a bad home life? Like, you have a yeah. great, you have a great home life, even though your parents are dead. You have a great home life. Um, and Pony says they don't and that Johnny should shut his trap because he ain't wanted at home either. Okay. And and yeah, so so okay, go ahead. That line in the book is longer where after he says and you ain't wanted at home either, he says and you can't blame them and it makes me so mad when he says it and then But it's yeah. it's good because you can see how hurt Pony Boy feels mm-hmm. because he feels like his experiences are being neg- negated by them. Now, whether they're right or wrong to do that. It is him lashing out about his emotions. 
how he yeah. feels. So I kind of like it, even though it's like it's an unlikable thing to say. Yeah, I do like it in that way, but it also makes me mad because I don't like it when people insult Johnny. Yeah, because the book and, and movie teach you that Johnny is this precious creature that needs to be defended. Yeah. Yeah, and he is. Um, so uh, Two-Bit then shoves Pony gently and tells him to watch his mouth and Pony apologizes. Okay, this scene in the book is played up so much more and is one of my, like my favorite parts because it's actually this really sweet moment. Um, for one thing... Too, but actually like hits him and in the movie it's like yeah it seemed like you touched the back of his head yeah. and it's not hitting him and then like pony boy apologizes and johnny's like it's okay it's true anyways and then two bits like that's not true like we couldn't get along without you and it's actually like this really sweet moment for the characters and then pony boy has this rant about how like it's not fair for racers they have all the like yeah bad stuff happens to them um but, like, it's, you hear those lines in the background. Yeah. And it makes me sad because it was, like, one of my favorite parts in the book that this little moment that they have. And I was just really sad that they took it out. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is, and we're going to get to Book Corner in just a moment. But this is clearly a section where they just had to cut and cut and cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if this book was a, if this was made now... Maybe it's made as a TV series, like a eight episode Netflix show, and you can do more of that stuff. Yeah. But like, I get that there's just not space. So I actually like the fact that they do manage to get some of those lines in there. But you're right, they are the kind of things where where so much is happening because as this is going on, there's something happening in the background which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's like you miss him. I mean, you like I remember hearing um, two bits say we couldn't get along without you, but you're not. But you're not. Those lines don't land in the yeah. same way because they're not at the centerpiece of the frame. Although I would argue that's also good realistic filmmaking because that's how mm-hmm. real conversations work. It's not everybody yeah. taking turns. Um, yeah, it does make it feel a lot more real, but it also makes me feel a little sad. Yeah, but they you, could have, but they you could love have made T-Bit. the audio just a little bit more. <laughs> right, right. A little bit more. You could have heard it. So as this is going on, we see a car. We see headlights from a car pull up. And Cherry sees sees it and calls for Marsha. And Cherry tells her to act normal as the car pulls up. She tells the the the, the other guys to just keep going because she's like she's well aware of the tension between the socials and the mm-hmm. greasers. And she's like the la- you can tell the last thing she wants is that for tonight to uh, end in in a fight. Yeah, you know because she's she's actually having a. All things considered, a pretty pleasant night, you know, mm-hmm. talking to Pony Boy and you know all these things, and it's like, okay, now things could turn ugly. Yeah, and there's like the the part where she keeps on saying like, "Oh, act normal." I feel like that's lines that are delivered not as good because they seem weird and they're like, "Really, act normal?" Like they've seen you. Um, but it's better in the book because what happens is the car comes to them goes past them and then comes back that's around what I, thought. I was thinking yeah. that happened in the movie too and i'm doesn't. like doesn't that happen yeah so it makes so much more sense in the um book when they're like oh act normal act natural just keep on walking because it's like hey maybe they won't stop again mm-hmm. but in the movie it's just like really like they've seen you yeah, yeah. act normal hmm so it that line plays off really weird and like it yeah. I don't like it in the movie. So at this point, a drunken Bob and Randy get out of the car and ask what they're doing. 
And uh, Bob's upset and says, just because we got a little drunk. And Sherry says she's never going out with Bob when he's drinking. And that ends the five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's jump into Book Corner. Now, you've talked a lot about the book. And I want to, if if for some bizarro reason, this is the first episode you've heard of this show, which is this is a strange entry point. <laughs> um, you've, I feel like in this five minutes, I've heard a lot more of you saying, this is how the book and the movie are different. This is why the book is better. And what I find interesting about that is that has not been your tone thus far as we've done these. No. Your tone up to this point has been like, well, they actually do a really good job of like Mm -hmm. not putting everything from the book in, but being very true to the book. But I think think it seems like your point is there's a lot of crucial dialogue that's happening in these scenes and – they just it just gets cut and it gets cut mm-hmm. for for various reasons. Yeah. So is there anything else in terms of thinking about the book that you want to add in here? Oh, I forgot to mention one other thing that they Oh, never mind. This is not in this part. This is in the next 5 minutes. But um I feel like a lot of the stuff they cut out is understandable, but I'm still disappointed because it makes the movie feel very different. Sure. It's also, I want to say, why I think the other, the shorter release of this movie is not as good because this is the beginning. So you don't start out with the scenes where you're like, oh, this is a really good movie. You start out with these parts that are like, wait, what? That seem chopped up. That, and, yeah, that yeah. seem chopped up. They like, the Tim Shepard thing really throws you off if that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it feels not as good if you look at just this scene. And I think, honestly, except for a couple other, like, small moments, this is, like, one of the worst parts of the movie, which says something because it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just watch this on its own without having read the book or had read it recently, be like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. But, like, if you had just read the book, you're like, wait, there's a lot of stuff you're missing here. Um... So, yeah, it's not great, but, like, it it could be worse. <laughs> All right. So if, if we were on a scale of uh, scale of zero to ten, um, where, where do you rank this five minutes in terms of its fidelity to the book? Honestly, I'm going to give it, like, a low, like, four and a half, five. Oh, wow, that's higher than I thought. It's a lot of the dialogue that's actually in it is from the book is the thing. Like, a lot of the dialogue is word for word from the book. I think the characters stay very true. The lines that are awkward are awkward because they're a little awkward in the book. And normally, lines in books, sometimes when they transfer to movies, hit different and are just weird and feel kind of, yeah. I don't know. So the lines that feel that way in this also already feel a little bit awkward in the yeah, and I think that is something worth saying about the S.E. Hinton book. As much as we both like it, there are moments where you're just like, this feels like it's written by a 16, 17-year-old because it's, in fact, written by a 16, And there's moments, <laughs> there's a couple of these in this five minutes, but especially in the next five, where even just the places people are standing are like, that's weird. That makes for a really awkward conversation. But in the book, since you're not visually looking at the whole thing, it's like, yeah, I'm not worried about that. And then in the movie, you realize, like, oh, no, this feels... Yeah, how does that actually work? Yeah, Yeah. because when they're walking, it's like, they're walking, and then Ponyboy and Cherry, like, stop, and then, like, 2-Bit and Marsha double back, and it's, like, this weird, like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. So, it's... 
I think the things that feel awkward and aren't played off right are not necessarily the fault of the movie, but with some things that they cut out, they could have done better. Sure, sure. So then I think, you know, four and a half, five, that sounds, that's actually not that bad. Yeah. Should we do a quick deep dive? Yeah. All right, Todd, today's deep dive is on the character who plays 2-Bit Matthews, um, Emilio Estevez. So we talk, we've been talking about the uh, kind of insane casting of, of this movie. Um, and what's interesting is Estevez is somebody who, especially right after this movie comes out, his star burns... Uh, as bright as anybody's for for a while here. So Emilio Estevez is born May 12th, 1962 in New York City. A lot of the people in this movie were born in New York. Um, He was 20 when The Outsiders was released uh, and turned 21 a few months after. Um, He was the first child of acting legend Martin Sheen. So he's somebody who's born into... Uh, born into a Hollywood family, uh, his younger brother Charlie Sheen, you know, is in movies like Platoon and Wall Street, and so like like you know he has a um, a uh, is is in a a act a family of acting legacy. Um, Sheen's greatest film role, Martin Sheen's greatest film role, was in Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 film Apocalypse Now, um, uh, which is a film in which a 17 year old Emilio played a messenger boy in a scene that was ended up being deleted, but. Um, that's, I think, Estevez's second film credit, and both of them are these very tiny things, mm-hmm. um, but he is in Apocalypse Now, which is one of the great movies of all time. I think the f- his first film credit was, he, like, was uncredited for it. Like, yeah, it yeah. It was really Because it was in the early 70s. I yeah. think he was a very, a pretty young little kid. Mm. Um, so this is t- kind of his first movie. Uh, to a certain the extent. Outsiders? Yeah. Ah, except his first movie role oh. was in the 1982 film adaptation of S.C. E. Hinton's text. He's so in that? He is in text. I don't oh. know that it's a big role, but he is in that. So we can see that there is this, like, uh, S.E. Hinton world of actors, right? That mm-hmm. people who are in text, people who are in The Outsiders, people who are in Rumblefish. Um, so that was his first kind of major movie role. Um and Estevez becomes one of the leaders of a group of actors known as the Brat Pack. Um, now you've seen Esme, you've seen um, the Breakfast Club, which is one of the like mm-hmm. totemic, iconic uh, Brat Pack movies. And Estevez plays a big role, and he's one of the uh, one of the major roles in that. So the Brat Pack is this group of young ap- actors who all came of age in the 1980s. Um, some of the people in this movie are sort of viewed as members of the Brat Pack, like. Uh, Rob Lowe, um, C. Thomas Howell a little bit, um, Machio a little bit. Um, but then others in this movie, I don't think it, I don't associate like Swayze or Cruz or Matt Dillon as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, definitely core members are people like Rob Lowe and Emilio Estevez. Um, and, and in 1985, Estevez is in probably the two most Brat Packy movies of all time, The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire, um, which are t- uh, two movies featuring functionally almost the same cast of people um, mm. playing. One is playing a group of high schoolers in St. Elmo's Fire. They're playing kids who are, I think, just out of college. So there's a lot of flexibility in the age range of, of what they play. Uh, but after appearing in The Outsiders, Estevez purchased the film rights to Essie Hinton's novel, that was then. This is now. Which of her novel, other novels besides The Outsiders, this is the one which is the closest to an Outsiders sequel in that it 
exists in the same world as the outsiders. In fact, Pony Boy Curtis mm-hmm. shows up in That Was Then, This Is Yeah, now. there are three overlapping characters for sure. I have a theory about another one. Um, and it was written as the book, like the next book after The Outsiders, but it's not. It's both a sequel and like not really a sequel. Yeah, it it it, it exists in the same world. I mean, it's yeah. it's more than a spiritual sequel. I would say something like Rumblefish feels like a spiritual sequel, like mm-hmm. the same yeah. tone and vibe, but there's no crossover. This is they they literally reference the Curtis family. Pony Boy is in the movie. Yeah, uh, very briefly. The shepherds but he's are in, in the, or excuse me, in the book. The shepherds yeah. are in the book. So so it is it is the same world in that way. Um, good book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we might talk a little bit more about the broader S.E. Hinton writing oeuvre at some point because we've been reading those books. Yeah. Um, so he wrote the screenplay and starred in that film adaptation, which was also released in 1985. So Estevez has, coming off of The Outsiders in 1985, has The Breakfast Club, St. Almost Fire, and That Was Then, This Is Now, which he wrote and starred in. Uh, he continues to appear in movies throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Headlining franchises like Young Guns, Mighty Ducks. He's just, he works a lot. He's in a lot of movies. Uh, in the 2000s, his work has primarily been as an actor-director. So he starts directing, I think in the late 80s, he does his first directing, does a little bit in the 90s. And once we hit the 2000s, he directs uh, quite a bit more, um, including the 2006 drama Bobby about Bobby Kennedy, which earned Golden Globe nomination for uh, Best Motion Picture Drama. As of 2022, he has starred in 34 films and directed nine of them. So if we're thinking of the legacy of the casting for this movie, Estevez is one of those careers that um, really is launched by this by this movie. And by 1985, he is a, sort of a signature member of the Brat Pack. So again, well done by the casting on this movie. Yeah. Um, so we get into who won the five? Yeah. All right. So this is an interesting one for me. So... Uh, here are the obvious nominees. Um, you have Diane Lane as Cherry Valance, Ralph Macchio as Johnny Cade. I threw him in there, although he doesn't do much yeah. in this five. Um, but I'm always going to put Macchio in because I'm a big fan. See Thomas Howell's Ponyboy Curtis. I would argue this is maybe the first time we could we could give it to Howell. Howell's going to win some in this. This you could maybe give it to him for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emilio Estevez as Two Bit Matthews. This might be his one shot at winning. This or the next five might be his one shot at winning. Um, and then I, I kept uh, Michelle Mayrink as Marsha because these are the people who are – that's basically all the yeah. people in this scene. It's kind of just that. Unless you want, you know, the, the manager who says, yeah, you two take it outside. Like that's the only the other person. The kind of jerky manager who says yeah. that. So I look at this and I think either Estevez or C. Thomas Howell. What are, what are you feeling? Can I make an argument – for Estevez and also for the character of Tubit and why I really like Yeah, him. I do think this is probably two bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's interesting is this whole five minutes is a two bit reclamation project. Because yes. remember how much last last week we talked about how like cancel it's like it was like yep. cancel two bit. Uh-uh. Like like real like assaulty yeah, kind of thing. Real things. creepy. Not great. I, I and you like two bit and I, I always do. pick on you about this, but like <laughs> He's kind of great. This Okay, this honestly is why I like him in this five minutes and why I like him just as a character. I feel like they even talk about this a couple times in the book, how like Ponyboy and Johnny are like these two more quiet people. They're like not very energetic and like Tubit just brings an energy that's almost this relieving like, yes, let's have like 
people even just talking let's yeah. have something it's so nice and like let's not have a lot of very serious conversation let's like have fun yeah he's playful so, yeah that's why i really like his character because he just he makes it a lot more fun in my opinion well and here's what's interesting so we think about last episode you have dally this episode you have two bit it's they're basically playing the same role mm-hmm. guy who shows up Sitting behind them, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you get one version with Dally, which Dally, who we love, is super unfun. Yeah. In that in that part, right? Here, Two Bit is very fun. Yeah. And he's caring. He's defending Johnny. He's defending Pony. He's defending Dally and Derry. Like he's he's kind of great. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he brings good energy. All right, so we're He's are we, the best character, I'm so, telling you. So two bit wins the five. Yes. All right. I don't know that there's gonna be a lot of other two bit wins. Well, but two bit has he has some hardware on the mantle now. Good for him. There's parts later where he could He does come back. He does, he does come, back. come back. Yeah, I see I kind of forget about the uh, the part where we where we get the greasers again in There's a moment big ways. closer to the end that's one of just my favorite moments of any character. That's him. And I think he deserves, I don't even care what five minutes it is, he deserves to win. All right. Well, (laughs) we will see that as we move forward. It's a long way in. That is all the time that we have for this episode. Um, We hope you've been enjoying this. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. We will be back next week uh, for the next five minutes. But until then, stay gold. Stay gold.